Hi Tom, hi Steve, ich wünsche euch eine tolle Show. Vielleicht kann ich bald meinen Senf dazugeben. Welcome to Masters of Profundication. I'm Tom Wisdom. I'm Steve Piles. And today we're going to take on a subject that we've had uh, in the notebook for a while to to kind of tackle, and that is stylized violence and gratuitous sex <laughs> in the media. Dun, dun, that, was dun. Al- that was almost not rehearsed. I, I like saying sex. Just yeah. the word I wanted you me. to say gratuitous sex. It's not gratuitous for me to say sex, so that's why. That's the way we're going to start. So the topic is in cinema, in television, we can't leave out television. It's a little bit less. Oh, well, I I say less, but I'm I'm leaving cable television out because there's a lot of cable television that kind of dabbles in it. But network television stylized violence is almost non-existent. (laughs) (laughs) That's... uh, It's it's very laughable. Totally, completely get what you pay for. But (laughs) nonetheless, uh, cable television is dabbled. But more often than not, the modern cinema violence is uber stylized. Yes. Does does uber mean like a lot? Or is that just, is that one of those things that's misused? It's German. It means like the top, the best. Oh, okay. The so, Unter is underword, under, if I believe. How about der Schlangerman? What is that? Man, that is Uber all by itself. If anybody, anybody, <laughs> if anybody listening, listening, go to YouTube. Der man. And uh, you'll be a better human being afterwards. It's super good. <laughs> der Schlangerman. Uh, I recommend you don't do it. Anyway. so No, uh, do it. You'll love yourself. You'll think you made good life choices afterwards. <laughs> well, it'll make you feel like all your life choices up to that point were better than Der Schlangerman. It's true. It's all perspective. It's all yeah. relative, baby. Uh, the super stylized violence, at least in modern cinema, um, I would say that in the golden age, and I'm I'm skipping the the real golden age, which would be, you know, the 40s and 50s. That's <laughs> pouring a beer. So, never, never can be quiet enough. We're just gonna pour it. Go. Just go, do it. Just go. It's going up. Oh, too much foam. Damn. All right, just stop. Anyway, uh, I I kind of like the eighties violence. Uh, the stylized. The oh, I love the eighties. Anything eighties. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit what it is. <laughs> I love the eighties. Anything that can reference the eighties, take me back there. Um, you know, like garbage com- kids, communism, AIDS. You know. All those things that are awesome about the 80s. Like the worst kind of AIDS ever. <laughs> right. Although I suppose if I were going to have AIDS, I'd want it to be communist because I wouldn't want it to be successful. Boom. Right. That communism. <laughs> Economy joke. <laughs> I have the Marxist AIDS. Um, we all get the Marxist AIDS. Wow. Off off topic. Totally but anyway. Stylized violence in cinema, modern style, is I'm I'm ju- I'm taking this opportunity to shit on it because I like it, but I want to shit on it before you get an opportunity to paint it in a golden light. I'll say it's it's eye candy and it's it's terrible. Don't but pretend you know me. I know you, and I How know that you, you love stylized violence in movies. Love it, and that's okay because I do too. I don't necessarily want to go to a movie and see real violence 
because real violence is ugly. It's just disturbing, man. Yeah. You know, I guess the thing for me is if you're going to show me stylized violence, show me the actual results of the violence. And and there's a lot of stuff that they're getting right now um, that they didn't before. Uh, I'll say John Wick would be Mm -hmm. a really good example of you can have stylized violence and then show the ugly side of it, the after effects of stylized violence, which is a lot of gore, a lot of broken bones, a lot of, you know, people actually not being able to use their limbs after they've had an elbow snapped backwards, you know, (laughs) those types of things. Right. Kind of what that gets wrong is it doesn't take a whole bunch to to take somebody out of commission. <laughs> um, no, I, I want to say this. This you what you talked about reminded me of like the real consequences of violence. And as much as I feel like a flaming hypocrite right now, I did used to watch Real World. You know the MTV. Yeah, I remember. I watched a reality show. I watched the second season of that only. Mm-hmm. The San Francisco. I watched whichever one was San Francisco. The one puck. Yeah, I think Puck was on it. He was like a real scumbag, and everybody else was like, Yeah, he was like the bomb. Puck's such a terrible roommate, but we can't kick him out because we get this free stuff. He's entertaining. There was one season, I couldn't even tell you at this point which one it was, where this guy, because they're going around, and these real world kids are always douchebags. So, of course, he gets punched in the face by some random guy in the street, like Mm -hmm. when they're out at a bar or something. I can't remember. But he has to have surgery. One punch to his face fucked up his eye socket somehow mm-hmm. and he had to have like actual he had to be off the show for a little bit because he was getting a procedure done to fix his eye socket like that's real world violence right you get put I mean, the right face with a, just one guy and you're out you're done you're you got you're messed up yeah yeah and um that's not fun at all <laughs> no, nobody Horror wants their ocular cavity caved in yeah. which is what would happen with one well-placed haymaker but <clears throat> Plus, you punch somebody, you hurt your own wrist, your your own fist, and that never happens in the movies. Yeah, I know. And I like uh, some of these experts that are like, I, I've seen some interviews and a, a lot of a lot of things surrounding this type of thing, and they're like, you know what happens when you punch somebody in the face and their tooth cuts your rib, your <laughs> your fist? All of a sudden, you get this nasty infection in it, like almost have to have your arm amputated because this nasty gangrenous. Dirty, filthy, and all he did was punch him in the teeth and got a cut, yeah. and so it was terrible. But anyway, why you always punch somebody in the dick? Just punch him in the dick. <laughs> punch him, even if you can't. You know, you don't kick him. No, do not punch him. You have always to punch crouch him. down like uh, the old Nintendo Kung Fu style. You just exactly. Oh my God! Yes, you just crouch down. And... Just dick punches all day long. <laughs> it's nothing but chin kicks and dick punches. That's the name of my first album, by the way. My solo, <laughs> my solo the country album. Kung Fu Master. <laughs> oh, yes, that which... would be a country album. If any, if it would be any album, that would be a country album. Yeah, chin kicks and dick punches. My life. Uh, anyway, I feel like we've totally, completely <laughs> gone off topic here. Let's get no, back. okay. Let's, let's let's give some examples. Let's let's talk about a list, shall we? Because you know lists. Always ground us. They bring us we back. Like we like the lists. We okay, like so a list. Was that Italian? Probably... So I've gone German and Italian already. I like the list. <laughs> it's me, I'm Mario. <laughs> Yet. That's and all I the see. Italian I know. Oh, I know ciao. I can say ciao, Bella. And uh, spaghetti. I know. You have to wave your hands. You have to talk really loud. And grow a mustache. And then if people don't do what you want them to do, you, you conquer them. them. Yes. 
Um, okay, so a list. A list of stylized violent movies. Um, well, actually, I don't think... Have we even said what we mean by stylized violence? Okay, that sounds like a good place to start. Stylized that's, that's, violence... That's a decent place to start. Um, is not necessarily... Well, it's it's choreographed, and that's not to assume that uh, cinema screwed things up way in the beginning and didn't choreograph fights. I mean, fights in cinema have always been choreographed, but these are choreographed by dancers almost. Yeah, I'd say it's it's the choreography is as technical as like dancing, and I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm taking it's, this to a different it level. A but like, if you ever watch some of the behind the scenes of. Um... Like the newer Star Wars movies, probably the last one, but definitely like the prequels. You're going to see like Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, you know, for example, practicing and practicing and practicing, you know, the moves they're going to make when they're lightsaber fighting. They like, they got to get, okay, you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. Then we do this. Then we move over here. Then we do this. Parry, parry, thrust, swing, turn around, flip, pivot, tickle the balls. And then we keep going. <laughs> I, have a, I, have a I have a theme tonight. It's kind of sad. Ball, but, ball punching. <laughs> Oh, but like gratuitous groin contact, I think. Yeah. But yeah, so this is it, basically right. what it is, is it is a style of violence and it doesn't necessarily have to be fighting, but that's mostly what it tends to be. <clears throat> and I think that it's a, it's a, an opportunity for the filmmaker to show the audience that the person that you're watching on screen is very good at what they do and they are going to be better than the people that they're going up against. It's not somebody to be trifled with a la uh, Jason Bourne, John Wick, uh, Neo from the Matrix. It's an opportunity for them to showcase their skills, probably something that they've learned uh, in, I don't know, in their teaching, their Kung Fu master teaching and you know, in some way, shape, or form, this person has become so good at fighting that they know five moves ahead of what you're going to do. And they're going to counter everything you do, and they're going to punch you in the face just exactly where you need to be punched in order to, you know, take you down. And um, the same can be said for gunplay. There's a lot of a lot of uh, stylized violence with gunplay, like in the movie mm-hmm. Equilibrium. I was just to say, Equilibrium was like the epitome of that. Yeah, very choreographed, very almost like I know where I have to shoot before you are even there. That's you know, the entire like, premise of that movie is where they say that every gunfight has certain patterns that they all fall into. So if you know those patterns, you can just... Right. And and that's the thing with fighting and, and I guess swordplay, fighting, gunplay, those types of things. It's an opportunity for the filmmaker to just say, hey, this is a badass. They've trained for millennia before you. So why are you even coming to this fight? And it's an opportunity for the character to move through the adversaries like butter. Just throw another one at me. I'm going to karate chop them in the neck in a way that you've never seen before. I'm going to flip them into a pile of their own friends and it's <laughs> it's gonna be like you're a thug, you're a you're a lackey, you're a you know henchman. Baby. You know you're yeah. a henchman. You've only been doing this, this for, for a day. I've been doing it for a week, and it's that's how they get past that part of the storytelling is. Um, Plus, it is doing that. I, I want to say something that's gonna make me sound like a dick, and I don't mean it to be 
I think so we're gonna, I think we're past that with with your side of the podcast. You should just go ahead and say it, <laughs> just and, sound like a dick, and just sound like a dick that needs to be punched. Okay. Well, si- <laughs> uh, one example of the stylized violence, stylized fighting that has popped up in my radar recently was um, the character of Colleen Wing in the new Iron Fist show on Netflix. Yeah, I haven't watched. If it she's yet, okay. There's this couple of scenes, couple of episodes where she's doing some cage fighting. And she's a like a hundred pound, you know, five four, five five maybe woman who just as you said, she's been training her entire life to be a martial artist. So she gets in these ring this cage with two huge hulking guys and she creams them, obviously. Like nobody expects anything different. But you just watch that and you're thinking this is a really cool scene to watch, but in real life she would never walk away. Just for the pure fact that two guys that are, you know, six three, two hundred plus pounds, all they're gonna want to do if they really want to win is rush her, get on top of her where she can't spin kick him or anything, and right. just start beating the crap out of her. Their weight is gonna make the difference. Mm-hmm. So if that sounds sexist, I apologize, but I'm sorry, there's no I don't care if you're a ninja master. If you're in a cage with a, you know, two hundred fifty pound dude that's got, you know, foot on you, he's gonna pummel you. Mm-hmm. One way or the other, unless he's just the dumb henchman. Yes, right. Exactly. He's Which the is... background. He's the the trope. He's the stepping stone to show that you're a badass. Right. Just the badass sacrifice. That. That's right. Um. So, how does this affect us watching movies now? Well, this doing a little research. <clears throat> this is my professor mode right now. Doing a little research. There's a word for this besides stylized violence. It's called the. I'm gonna get this right. I swear. The aestheticization, aestheticization of violence, like aesthetics. Yes. The aestheticization. I know I didn't get that right once, but you get what I mean. The aesthetics. The aesthetics of violence, the aestheticization of violence, which is making violence beautiful. And this has been going back for, well, probably as long as there's an art, you know, violence depicted in art, but, you know, at least centuries were like the debate about it. Like, should we glorify violence? Should we make it something that is awe-inspiring? One of the examples, this is my, like I said, I'm a professor mode. If you are familiar with the painting, it's a triptych. It's called the, um, it's from Hieronymus Bach, Bosch, Hieronymus Bosch, the Garden of Earthly Delights. It's supposed mm-hmm. to show like the ideal world, and I believe like the progression to the modern world for his time, and then hell, just a pure on vision of hell. And Brimstone. it's fucking, it's not what you think. It's not like people burning. It's people getting killed by animals. And just being tortured and weird, crazy shit happening to them. It's a fast, it's, it's an amazing painting. If you don't know it, look it up, you know, just Google it. It's amazing, but it's, it's trying to prove a point and it's trying to show like the violence that you will endure if you have to, you know, lead an unvirtuous life. But it's doing that through showing violence in an over the top, really stylized, obviously way mm-hmm. that people have been talking about now for centuries because that's what gets people's attention is the exaggeration, the, the hyperbole of what we see every day. You know, you can see somebody beating their wife or kid and you think that's horrible, terrible. But you see somebody beating a rival on a movie screen. That's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. So that's, it's something that's been with us forever. It, it's nothing we're going to lose either. Like we're never going to get away from it. If you think we are, we're not. You're never going to lose it. And the, I guess the, the difference is that you can watch a movie like Jaws and see the horror of violence of people being ripped in half by a shark. And that's one thing. And then you can watch um, a gritty, like fisticuffs fight in a movie from the eighties that 
yeah, the choreography is going to be lacking, but it's right. it's definitely it's trending in such a way that here we are now, and we're not even watching that horror anymore. Like we're we're watching something that is like beautiful in a way that is an expert in their craft and they are they're doing you know their best work punching somebody in the face which should be a a horrible thing but it's not because the way in which they're doing it is like awe-inspiring it's it's i mean it's probably part of the reason why mixed martial arts has become so popular because these people train and they study their opponent and then they get in the ring and I guess that that's not the best example because that is terrible. That's gritty. That's you know. That's the real. That's the reason why I don't like MMA stuff. I mean, I get I get why people like it because they appreciate, like you said, the, the trade that goes behind it, the real the real life skill it takes. But for me, it just devolves into the same thing every time. They roll around the ground, grab each other, and punch each other wherever they can. Punch each other in the dick. It comes full circle. Full circle, baby. But, I think uh, that that's frowned upon in the MMA world, but I digress. Any, but you know what I'm saying is, is if you want to watch something that is, you know, gritty and you know, go ahead watch the MMA. I'll be happy watching these people that are involved in uh, a fight that goes on so long that there's absolutely no way that they'd have the breath left <laughs> in their exactly. body. You know, like they're involved in these fights, one guy against twenty, and they're they're basically just dancing around them, fighting and punching and kicking and twirling and jumping and stuff. You know, after about two minutes of that, the guy would have to be like, hey, you know, time out for a minute. I got to catch my breath. <laughs> but instead, I'm just going to grab you and I'm just going to punch you. Persevere. Um, in the dick. Punch you right in the dick. I'm never going to get off of that subject. Am I? Dick puncher. I don't know. I guess, <clears throat> I guess to me, um, I like it, but I can see how desensitized we're all going to be in another 10 years of watching this John Wick style fighting taken. You know, he, he says, I have a particular set of skills. I will find you. And you know, from that moment that this guy is like an expert at what he does, he's probably seen more. Okay. Where I'm talking about a character, but his character's probably seen Mm -hmm. more action and learned how to not dodge bullets, but how to avoid being shot and how to, hit people right in the right spot and get out of jams that normal people can't get out of. You know, how many movies like Taken, Jack Reacher, John, you know, Born Identity. Yeah, yeah. How many of those movies are we going to watch before we're like, this is dumb. This is like, I don't even want to watch this anymore because it's, it's the same style. It's the same ridiculous premise of somebody. Now, I guess I should backtrack a little bit in superhero movies and stuff like that. Um, I expect to suspend some disbelief. Sure. Um, like the movies like Jack Reacher and stuff like that, they they want me to be placed into a universe where this could be happening right yeah. on my front door. Their um, conceit is that this is a regular guy that had some, maybe some military training, you know. Like Jack right. Reacher explains to you, I'm going to do this, 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 and this to you, and then you're going to be regretting mess with me. Right. You know, yes, I get that, but then I'm sorry if I'm sitting there like, oh, you just told me your plan of how you're going to beat me. I'm going to make sure to do everything in my power not to do exactly what you just said. Right. Um, but I'm I expect in like the Batman movies, uh, especially the Christian Bale Batman movies, those were the the closest 
I came in any of those superhero movies to thinking this could be happening right outside my front door. Maybe not the third one so much as the first mm-hmm. and the well, maybe not the first one, the second one. We'll <laughs> we'll just go to the Dark Knight and say the that best one. the The best one was the one that was like this. This is this is actually pretty good because you know I could open up my front door and I could look out my window and be like, "Holy shit!" There's the Joker. That cloud's going crazy. What's <laughs> up with this guy? Yeah, he doesn't look like he has a plan. <laughs> Well, even um, one of the best instances of stylized violence that I've seen, at least in the last 10 years, was um, the second Captain America movie, The Winter Soldier, yep. where he's fighting the Winter Soldier on the street. Like He's not even wearing a uniform. And like he jumps in and saves the day. He saves the, the Black Widow, mm. who, which, Scarlet you know, Johansson. yeah, you know, call it a misogynistic fantasy, if you will. Fine. But he does jump in and save her. And then him and, you know, the Winter Soldier fight. And, they, and that is one of the greatest... And thoroughly choreographed fight scenes I've ever seen. That was an outborn Jason Bourne, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they, he whips out a knife at one point, so he's like blocking the knife, dodging it. Then they throw the shield in there, so he throws the shield, but he gets out of the way. And like, every move's got a counter move, and they just, you know, they're dancing with each other. They really are. But it's freaking beautiful, man. And yeah. I love it. So, and that's a superhero movie. So you can sit there and you're like, yes, that's fine. This is Captain America. He was full of the super soldier serum. And the soldier has been trained since the fifties and blah, blah, blah. He's got a metal arm. You know, that's, you can buy that. But when you watch, like you said, the Jack Reacher movies, it's cool at first. And then you're like, yeah, I'm just going to have to accept the fact that I don't buy their premise that this could really happen with somebody. Right. And, um, and I, I know suspend my disbelief. Yeah. And the the same goes for the Jason Bourne movies for me. I know that you enjoy them immensely. Um but it's almost like <clears throat> most of them. That you know, those films are about the fight and you know the story is secondary. I just watched the latest Jason Bourne, the Jason Bourne, the latest Bourne film today. Mm-hmm. And it was disappointing. And I realized why it was disappointing. It had less of that type of fight scene. Like the the last fight with the last dude. <laughs> was a lot of like headbutting and stuff like that. It was a little bit of the stylized, like I'm going to throw this thing up there and, you know, grab something from my environment that you wouldn't think is a weapon, but it is a weapon type of thing that the Bourne was known for. But really it was just like, I'm going to grab you and he's going to try to stab me. I'm going to dodge it. Then I'm going to headbutt him and then kick him in the ribs and then call it good. Punch him in the dick. Punch him in the dick. But uh, I don't know, maybe some dick punch would have made it more entertaining. It's a lot of, it was, it was a lacking of that and it became a little bit, boring it was so what's the boring legacy that's the second to last one it Not was a the lot of boring this. legacy the boring uh, legacy. <laughs> See what there. um yeah so so maybe it hasn't completely worn out its welcome i for guess me. is what we're getting at <laughs> for you and it for some people i'm sure it has and for the mass the majority of people it hasn't worn out its welcome because it's sticking around and you're getting john wick two and you're getting five borns and three jack reachers and a uh, hundred Denzel Washington yeah. movies, and you're getting all of these movies that that's what they're all about. So yeah. it it hasn't won out its welcome, but it probably will. I mean, just like slasher movies kind of went by the wayside, you know, these stylized violence movies are going to go by the wayside, probably. I wonder if it'll go hand in hand when finally superhero movies become passe. You know, when that bubble bursts. Yes, it is going to. Let's everybody listening. You app, you know it in your hearts. Yeah, search your just, feelings. You know it. Just like uh, World War Two movies, that bubble. Cowboy burst. Indian movies. Yeah, it all makes way for something 
different. Yeah, well, the next genre will find its way, but I wonder the stylized violence, the choreographed fight scenes will go the way of the dinosaur, like this, when the superhero movies do. Yeah. I Probably not. So what's your favorite stylized violence movie? What's What's your favorite? I have one that is totally obscure, and it'll probably take you by surprise. Everybody listening right now will, I'm sure, gasp. The Last Dragon. You are the Last Dragon. Leroy. Bruce, Bruce Leroy. <laughs> Leroy. Dragons. I love that. A little bit of a different genre, but yes. Actually, that, that does remind me of, like, stylized violence is not a new, within the last 30 years, phenomenon. All it, those old not. kung fu, you know, Bruce Lee action movies was total stylized violence. That was totally I would, choreographed. I would agree. And I'd say that it's not a brand new thing. However, what we're watching now is a it's a different thing. It's filmed different. Right, yes, I will agree. It is it's a different type of stylized violence. You know, probably a lot less uh slow motion jumping kick to the throat, you know, punch to the dick with a sound effect behind it that is ridiculous. <laughs> However, uh yeah, that type of fighting is not a new phenomenon. However, mm. um, the way it's filmed, I'd say, is different, and that how we're consuming it is different because kung fu movies from the day uh, back in the, prob- day, the days of your the days of your probably had a little bit different audience than the mass communicating <coughs> that they're getting done now with uh, you know the amount of it in in the movies. Yeah. But give me uh, give me your your number one. What's your favorite? Uh, What's your favorite stylized violence movie? That is not something I've sat down and dwelled on, but I do have something. Well, okay, I found a list of what IMDb says is the top, I think, 16, which is a weird number, stylized violence movies. Mm-hmm. And then number one, yeah, I kind of agree with. What is that's it? That's 300. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. That <clears throat> is. That, that was is badass. Stylized Blowing violence. and everything. Um, I wouldn't say that that shouldn't be on the list. Not my favorite, well, that, but okay. What's what's your favorite? You're are you sitting down? No. Okay. Wait. Yes, you are. I can see you. <laughs> you got uh, me. I, I did. Mine is Kung Fu Hustle. I feel like I should know this one. Shit. Obviously from are, the '80s. Nope, it's not. It is 70s. from the mid 2000s. Seriously, Kung Fu Hustle. Yep. Kung Fu Hustle, and it is oh, a strange movie, but it's good. And it's uh, your typical kung fu, like a guy is a kung fu master, but he doesn't know it. And he, there's a town of oh, this is yeah, a town of like yeah. a, I don't know, the slums where these people are going about their daily business, and the rival gangs have a turf war there. And the uh, the hero who doesn't know he's a Kung Fu master uh, suddenly awakens as a Kung Fu master out of necessity. And, uh, hero's journey, the hero's journey. And it's, uh, I love it. I love that movie. Cause it is, I never, I never watched it, but I do remember like seeing the trailers for it now. Yeah. You, you should give it a shot because it's, um, I don't know. It comes on the heels of like matrix style Kung Fu where some really bonkers shit's going on. You know, Big like people, China. yeah, pole vaulting from fifth floor balconies down into a group of people, and then just decimating them with like five finger death punches, <laughs> and then rock it out. Yeah, uh, 
it's a little bit of a musical style. I don't know. It, it's hard to explain, but I like it. And if you're listening, you should pause the podcast and go watch it. Watch Kung Fu Hustle. Okay, I will say what I consider maybe to be the most over-the-top example of the stylized violence. It's got to be. It's Kill Bill. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Like the first one. When she goes in, uh, fights the crazy 88 or whatever that gang was called, and yep. just it's fountains of blood. It's one woman against an entire, you know, region. people. Oh, martial arts experts. Like, people that are, you know their deal. They come in except the guy, except the, the guy at the end that she cuts his sword in half like five times and then spanks him on the ass. And says, "Go home to your mother," and he runs away crying. Yes, mm-hmm. Uma Thurman. I don't know what it that, is about her. She's got that weird. She's hot, but she's not. She's not like, hot. Hot. She's she is, but she isn't like Anne Hathaway. I don't know. And uh, who's that other girl, Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah. No. I, What's I, in I, the I, box? <laughs> See how I brought that around. Even her decapitated decapitated head is hot. Yes. Yeah. No dick to punch. <laughs> well, because your head's in the box. Probably true beforehand. I'm just saying. Probably. Probably. We don't know. Welcome to 2017. That's right. We don't assume. How anything. dare you assume her gender? <laughs> um. Kill Bill. So yeah, that's probably the most over the top. Yeah, and that's but it was like, worked. Like one woman yeah. with a sword wades into, you know, dozens of people and just takes, takes off apart. Lucy Lou's scalp Sorry. and the top part of her brain. To a nice funky disco beat. Yeah. That's a, I, I watch that scene every once in a while. It's pretty good. It is. And I love it. I, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. Good movie. So stylized violence goes hand in hand with gratuitous sex. I don't know. It's not necessarily that it goes hand in hand, but if you're going to have one, you're going to have the other. You're like that's not a true statement at all but i want it to be true so in my world everything with stylized violence has gratuitous sex uh but in the there's no same sex vein, in your violence as there's Bush no sex said. in your violence there's no sex in your violence i'm gonna say it like five or six there's more no times sex in your violence listen i don't want to come back down from this cloud ah yes love it uh um but in the same vein as stylized violence being like on borrowed time, is it on borrowed time? We didn't establish that. However, we did say that it is one of those things that has come around because certainly gratuitous sex in cinema is not a new thing. That is as and, old as the day is long. And will never go away. I'm no. sorry. As, as much as the social justice warriors really, really wanted to, it's not going to disappear. However, it does disappear from some shows. Sure, sure. If a show, yes, if a TV show that starts off trying to draw you in as a heterosexual male with some gratuitous sex, some you know random titties, it will. Like we've talked about this before, it will. If it becomes popular enough and lasts long enough, the titties go away. Let's talk about black sales. There we go. You black just watched sales. the finale today, right? I just watched the finale. Actually, um, a boobless finale. A boobless finale. However. Let's let's talk about uh, the first season of Black Sails is about as it's on Black Sails is a pirate show and it is a prequel. Not that to, you stole it. It was actually about pirates. <laughs> yes, it's it's a. <laughs> I guess yes, it's 2017. We have to clarify. Uh, it was on torrents. a torrent site. Torrent site. Um, no, it's a it's a show that is a prequel to the Treasure Island book. Isn't there a sequel of Treasure Island? Isn't that I don't, like I think there's a couple books that 
I think the guy that wrote Treasure Island wrote a couple of the stories where he mentioned the characters, like referenced it, but nothing Ooh, official. Like a cinematic universe for books. Spanning universe, the Treasure Island EU. <laughs> uh, anyway, this show uh, is on stars. And hmm. by being on stars, it gives them the capability to have gratuitous sex. And we're talking like softcore. Uh, showing everything about penetration styles. Les- not the- lesbian pirates. Handjob hand pirates. Um, <laughs> however, if you were to watch the first season of Black Sails and assume that the other three seasons were going to be like that, you would be wrong. You would be dead wrong. It draws you in, I guess, if you're a heterosexual man and are into this type of thing. Uh, or, or, lesbian woman. or... Let's be honest. Let's just, too. Listen, I'm not going to judge. I'm just saying that there's a lot of graphic, gratuitous sex that is short of being triple X in the first season of Black Sails. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to the fourth season, which is the final season of Black Sails, and I think maybe there was a couple of sets of breasts exposed once. There was one, and it was painfully obvious. One scene, one you know, brief plot point that was set in the um, the whorehouse that is like one of the staples of the series. Mm-hmm. So they showed some boobies in the background. That was it. Yeah, and, and I'm going to take a bold stance and say I'm fine with that. Oh, I'm okay with it. Too. Okay with it. I absolutely. I don't need that type of stuff in a show to advance the story. Uh, is it something that I want to see because I'm a pervert? No. Is it something I yeah. want to see in order to advance the plot? Yes. Yes. Let Let me give you an example. Westworld. In Westworld. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that hasn't seen Westworld, plug your ears, take your earbuds out, or whatever. Unless you kill yourself, because you should just watch Westworld already. By now, yeah. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen Westworld, there is something wrong with you. Yeah. Pause the podcast. Go watch all ten episodes of Westworld. Come back. We'll wait. We're giving you a homework assignment, and we're <laughs> going to grade you. However, there the premise almost needed to have a place where people could go to fulfill desires that we all know would be going, it would take place in Westworld. It is a world that was formed and developed. It's it's Disney world where you can go and (laughs) kill and have sex. You know what I'm saying? I love that. That allegory is is the best one ever. It is a Disney world for sex and violence. It is absolutely like a Mecca for people to go and fulfill their deepest, darkest desires without any repercussions. You want to murder somebody? You want to go murder somebody? Go to Westworld, murder somebody. Mm -hmm. You want to go rape somebody? Go to Westworld and rape somebody. You want to go murder and rape somebody? Go to Westworld and murder and rape somebody. There's, like, literally nothing is off limits. You want to murder, then rape somebody? Go to Westworld. (laughs) Go to Westworld. Seriously. You can get your boat floated. It... It, you had to show a place in Westworld where people could go and fulfill those deep, dark desires. And you right. had to show it. You can talk about it all you want, but you at least have to show it. Now, and that they wasn't... have to show it for 10 minutes? I don't know. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> they had to show it, and they had to show it with gold paint. Because mm-hmm. that's what you want. That's yes. what you want if gold you're... Body paint. If you're into gold body paint, you want that you want to go to Westworld and do it. But they had, I mean, 
like you said, this was not, I don't think incidental, this was not gratuitous because the the um, conceit of the entire idea was that you start off at this town and you can do things in this town. Like if you want to be that guy, you can walk in, get right off the train and just grab, you know, Dolores off the street when she drops her can and just bend her over and go crazy with it. Yeah. But nobody's going to do that, right? Because there's still, that's, that's your freshness. That's the point where you feel like, okay, I'm new to this. I need to follow the rules. I need to follow some of these narratives. I need to, you know, immerse myself in the idea of this. And then you go further away from the town where there's less civilization, where there's less people. Well, you're always being watched, but where where you think there's less people paying attention to you, you go further and further until you go out to this one place whose name I cannot remember right now. It's like Purgatory, but it's not. It's like Pariah? Pariah, yes. I think it's Pariah, Pariah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you go... Where it's no holds barred. You've gone far enough that, you know, congratulations, you win. You can do whatever you want to whoever you want. You've spent, you've, you've leveled up. You've got to this spot. So the and it makes sense with the narrative of the show. Yes, and I'm not. Well, I guess I am saying you. You, they had to show it. They couldn't just talk about it because there there are so many other things in that show that they just talked about that weren't tangible in any way, shape, or form. That like they had to show at the end the other buildings, the 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 other buildings of Westworld. Spoiler alert. They had to show that there was more more to the corporate office than what it really was. They had to show it. Um, they couldn't just talk about it. Right. Um, <clears throat> Game of Thrones. That's a good one because that's it getting is, a lot of shit over the years. Yeah. And basically that's a fantasy a show from a fantasy world and not the fantasy world like you're just sitting at your desk daydreaming. This is a fantasy <laughs> as in witches and warlocks and goblins and whatever well, dragons. It's a medieval. It's 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 like a period piece, really. It's a medieval because George R. R. Martin takes a lot of his plot lines from what actually happened in history. So it is right. a medieval period piece but it's, in a lot of ways. It's, it's borrowed, but it's not like. It's a fictional world set in a fantasy landscape with magic and dragons. That's so. I guess so much the, poor. the point I'm trying to make with that is that it's not it it's not a period piece. It's not something like, oh hey, this really happened. Check it out. So they need to set up Yeah, an it gives area. you a license. Yeah. They had the license to use it and they had to show the audience that there is an area of decadence. There is an area of well, there's a place that you can go, just like in Westworld, a pariah, a place where you can go where you're not going to be judged or mm-hmm. questioned, much like a glory hole, because there is <laughs> no judgment at a glory hole. Except for what you give yourself. <laughs> I mean, really, that, who's judging you in a glory hole? If you're, Anybody? If you're, completely, if you're completely anonymous, then you know, there is no judge. You know, but but just... I mean, who goes to a glory hole to judge people? Like, who would be that person that is not partaking, that is just standing there shaking their head like, I can't believe you're here at a glory hole. Are you saying I'm weird for standing in the the corner just shaking my head and pointing my finger at people? Are you telling me that I'm weird (laughs) for doing that? Because I don't believe it. I think that is a normal... Hey, man, whatever whatever helps you sleep at night, going down to the glory hole... (laughs) How dare you assume they're... <laughs> I don't want to know if it's a girl or a guy. That mouth has a family. <laughs> How dare you insinuate that that's a mouth? 
That orf. Oh my god, yeah. we're just gonna. There are no teeth. Yeah, I mean, hey, that if you're gonna go, you gotta go. You gotta go there. <laughs> How dare you assume that orifice is an orifice? Wants and I, needs. <laughs> How do you know it wants you? How do you know it enjoys yeah. this? Yeah, that because that it keeps coming. Work. Okay, we're we're going some deep dark rabbit hole right here. We should probably pull ourselves out of. Oh, uh, once you go down the glory hole, man, it's like a black hole. You just can't escape it. You you turn out. flat like spaghetti, and you can't pull out. <laughs> God, this is oh, awful. Terrible. My children are going to listen to this one day. <laughs> I've got people I know that are going to. Just look at me funny from now on, I guarantee you. Yeah. Well, they were going to yeah. anyway. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, Anyways. What the hell so, are we talking about? So what we were talking about was Game of Thrones. Oh, Game of Thrones. Shows There's a lot of sex, and then they got a lot of backlash for how they depicted women being treated. So this <laughs> is not a story of, say, the Bronx 1965, where we're showing people being, <laughs> you know this is real life and this is what women have to endure, yada, yada, yada. We're talking about this is a fantasy world where it takes place in like a medieval setting where women probably weren't treated. I mean, the, the women are treated well. The no, ones, no. you know, some of them are and some of them aren't. No, I mean, none of them really are. Well, the, I mean, seriously, I point to one woman that's treated well in the entire series. Well, okay, yes, they are all treated a certain way. However, they're depicted a different way. Um, Cersei is depicted one way where she she's in total control the whole time. There is a very small period of time where Cersei's not in control. And that defines her character. Hi, Sparrow. Shame. Oh, shame. And if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, pause the podcast and go watch all of them right now. Catch up. You have time. And if you don't want to, then you can kill yourself. I say that a lot, but I mean it. Kill yourself. <laughs> you should really go watch Game of Thrones. Definitely. If you don't agree with my opinion on what I like, then you should just die. <laughs> and Hey, I'm one of the holdouts. I resisted. I resisted for four seasons before I jumped on board. Oh, well, you jumped I, on board. That's, yeah, that's I... I kind of didn't want to because, hey, everybody else is doing it. Would you go jump the on the bandwagon? Is the bandwagon for a reason? Uh, Fifty million Elvis fans can't be wrong. That's right. Um, so it's, there was it's, a there was an interview with George R. Martin because I will say this, and maybe I'm selectively forgetting, but the books actually have less sex than the TV show, but it still has a lot, and it talks about rape and so on and so forth. Fun fact: the character of Daenerys is thirteen when she's depicted in the books. When she's when mm-hmm. the books start, so all that stuff she did with Kyle Drogo was with a thirteen year old. So you know, fantastic. Have fun with that disturbing little imagery. But but ha- um, thirteen Westeros years. That's yeah, like twenty five right. Earth years. years. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. But uh, and that's I mean that's medieval. That's a set piece. That's medieval. That's the way it was. You know, you hit period and you're good to go if you're a woman. Your property it doesn't even have to be medieval. Around. It could be like some. Arab so nations still do that. That's true. ISIS. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. For aggressive and horrible, then you treat 13-year-old girls like they're regular women. It's messed up. And 13's a little old. Anyways, what I was saying was, yes. George R. R. Martin was asked in like an interview about what he thought about gratuitous sex. And he had a good point. He says, okay, what's gratuitous? Because I'm drawing, I'm, I'm, I'm creating a fantasy world where you're supposed to be immersed in this world. So if you think there's a sex scene that doesn't inform the character or advance the plot line, well, then I also have a scene where I talk about what they're eating or what they're wearing or, you know, the heraldry on their 
flags and they're what they're wearing, you know, where they have flying over their castles. It doesn't really advance the plot, but it is another point that you understand the world that you're dealing with, the world that these characters are living in. So how is that? Either it's all gratuitous or none of it is. Well, let's take a step back and let's talk about HBO, because I think that that is one of HBO's shticks. They have the freedom and license to do it, so they do it. I I can't think of one HBO show that, you know, a primetime or after hours HBO show that doesn't have um, graphic sex scenes. And I'm so not a prude. True. Wait, that's not after but hours. I'm, right? I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm talking about that. Right. And I'm, and I'm not a prude saying graphic sex as in like triple X. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that graphic sex is just a man and a woman laying in bed or, vi- or a woman and woman or, you know, I'm not, I, I'm saying that HBO has the ability, so they take that opportunity to film people having sex in a way that is going to be artistic and tasteful, mm-hmm. but really hook people in with the imagery of people having sex. Because, you know, we're all adults here, and, you know, we've all done the horizontal mambo. Is it? <laughs> Made the beast with two bags. That's my thing. <laughs> we've all punched each other in the dicks once in a while. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, it's not like we don't know what it looks like, and it's not like we haven't been in these situations before. It's just that HBO is it's not quite so pretty as HBO makes it out to be. <laughs> well, not at your house with all the plastic laying around and the things flung on the wall. But uh, you've been stalking me. Yeah, you should really shut off your webcam. Damn it! <laughs> what do you use okay. that blender for anyway? <laughs> Oh, don't answer. I know. I already know. It's a sex blender. I'm just leaving it at that. <laughs> oh, I want to watch that movie, Sex Blender. <laughs> sex Blender and the chin kicks and dick punches. Uh, so, anyway, what I was getting at was it's expected of HBO. If you tune in to the new True Detective, which they're coming out with season three, I don't know... I don't know why they're doing it after season two was so abysmal, Maybe but learned their lesson. They, hopefully they did, but I guarantee 120%, which is way more than the 110% most people use when they're being ridiculous. 120% guarantee that in the uh, true detective season three, there will be a sex scene where, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of boobs. You're going to see near penetration, lots of asses, some thrusting, um, and it'll probably be in a in a place that people don't normally do those types of things, like next to a dumpster or uh, wait, no, wait, that's... what? Is that usual? <laughs> yeah, that's not normal, dude. Okay, I saw you out next to the Petco. <laughs> okay, but you just be in the Petco, which means I accomplished <laughs> right. You, you I were stealthy enough to New Year's resolution yeah. for 2017. So. Um, but you're going to see it, and that's because it's on HBO. And Sex in the City, obviously, it's in the title, but uh, Never girls... saw a single episode of that show. I take that as a point of pride. Sex in the City? I never watched one single episode. Uh, I have all the episodes, all every season on DVD. I clarify that I don't. My wife does. I was going to say, and your wife has your balls in her purse. Well, sorry, she that punched me in the dick and they fell off. Uh but um, I guess what I'm saying is you expect it from HBO. You expect yes. it from Star. You expect it from Cinemax. Skinemax. Um, Netflix. Now, in there. I will say that Netflix is breaking the mold because 
you watch something like Orange is the New Black, and they've got some ridiculous sex scenes. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what I mean by that is there are what I feel are unnecessary sex scenes in yep. Orange is the New Black. I didn't I didn't enjoy that show enough to keep watching it because of some of the stuff some of the stuff like that. But we recently watched uh, The Crown, and that is very there, there's none of that. There isn't any of it. There's no run around like the top. If they do that, they would offend a lot of British people. You know, if they start throwing, Queen Elizabeth loves the. Uh, well, the thing about that show is it's not all about her. It's all you know. It's it's about a lot of the things that go on around it, and there is some uh, scenes with the sister and her having not necessarily an affair, but you know, having a relationship <laughs> with a guy. Bless you. Thank you. And but there's really none of that. Uh, I want to say Stranger Things was void oh, yeah, of any. There's implications, and that's as far as you get. Right. Um, so they're breaking the mold that way. They're not. Yeah. They're not um, going the way that they could be because that, I guess that's what I'm saying is they have just as much leeway as HBO does, and they don't do it. They don't use that hook of well, gratuitous sex. One of the ones that is making a lot of waves I mean, in the current moment but you know the national attention span is zero so it'll probably be forgotten in a year but right now is uh 13 reasons why this is not i should probably start watching that well i mean i like i really liked it it had its problems with once you think about the plot points and what the message is but very engaging show it's about a girl that kills herself in high school and not to spoil anything because if you haven't watched it you really should it's really good they um there's subject matter that is sensitive enough that if they did have gratuitous sex scenes, gratuitous nudity at least, it would so destroy what they were trying to put out there that it would be it would be mocked thoroughly and it would deserve to be mocked if they had had that. Yeah. So you're right, Netflix has I don't know, maybe it's mature. I hate to say that because that makes me sound immature. I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not. Uh-huh. Okay, I am. I am. But it, Netflix has matured enough so that they know they can have a good, solid, engaging story without throwing the sex scenes in. Like, we've talked about this in the past. There are scenes, like, going back to Game of Thrones, there's a scene where character, um, what's Daenerys' helper girl? Starts the name. I always forget her name. It's um, not Melisandre. The, it's, um, I know who you're talking about. I, anyways, she's, her she's and, the linguist. She's She knows like a million languages yeah. and she's Grey Worm's love interest. Right, exactly. That's the scene where she's bathing in the river. Grey Worm's watching her. And so she kind of flashes like she like reveals herself a little bit more. And I'm like, okay, that'd be fine if they pursued the relationship between the two of them further. But they don't. They barely mention it. It's seriously, it's like a footnote of a footnote is the Melisandre. Is it Melisandre? No, Melisandre is the red witch yeah. the red queen or whatever she's the lord of the lights right anyway she's the one that burns children and yeah and it's like 90 years old but you find out there's some gratuitous nudity for you oh yeah so, saggy boobies yeah there you still watch though didn't you equal opportunity i'll give them that but no gender bias yes but the the no gray worm the gray worm and what's her name is <laughs> her, that's their name actually what's her name what's her name she's hot I'll give her that. And it was like an enjoyable thing to watch, but I, it was completely gratuitous. It was, it added, ultimately added nothing to the narrative because because they have not pursued that. Maybe they will in the future, but as far as that season went and as far as we are now, nothing. So, well, yeah. To, to just kind of talk about that a little bit, is it, her name is uh, Miss Andy. Miss Andy. See, I was, it's so close. That is Natalie well, Emanuel. Make one role for uh, fantasy. Make your names, you're making a name from whole cloth. Make them different enough that you can remember them. 
uh, Egret. Yeah, see, nobody's like Egret. She's my favorite character. Okay. There's some right. Jon Snow Egret hot springs action that was pretty cool. Um, but, I mean, Grey Worm had no dick to punch, so <laughs> maybe that scene was... You punch the ghost of Dick's past. <laughs> Maybe that was a scene where she's like, hey, I'm going to show you my tits. And he's going to be like, bitch, I ain't got no dick. And then he walks <laughs> up and is, she's like, why did I make you mad the other day? And he's like, listen, you tried to give me a boner and I got nothing to get a boner with. So, but yeah, they did almost resume like right back to normal. Like, eh. yeah, they just kind of threw each other glasses, but nothing happened. Like she mentioned it to Daenerys and then it, did, it went nowhere and it ultimately meant nothing. Oh, it was it was an opportunity for them to fail the Bactel test. Yes. <laughs> so it was two girls talking about a guy. Okay, fail. You, even when the guy doesn't have a dick. But if, I mean, really, it was the reason for this. This actress is gorgeous. Let's show her boobies. Natalie Sweet. Manuel. Mm-hmm. I like that you know that because I had no idea. Um, uh, Game of Thrones <laughs> has taken some criticism and has scaled back their use of nudity and sex. Yep. Was that due to consumers and the audience complaining? I feel like the most opinionated people are the most vocal, but they are also the minority. Like, like we said, my, Welcome my to America. Is, uh, exactly. Like, I think the vast bulk of people watching these shows, whether it's Game of Thrones or Westworld or Black Sails or what, whatever you have, are fine with the random nudity, even when it's the pointless non-plot advancing type like i'm sitting there and i'm the only complaint i personally have is if you have too much of it it starts to become you start to become complacent you know you come become numb to it Mm -hmm. so that when you have something that does advance the plot like you have two main characters that you wouldn't have thought were gonna hook up hook up it becomes less impactful you know less profound Right, because it's expected to happen, and you're going to show us in every detail possible right. how it happened. Right, like if you're watching Game of Thrones and you have a character like, I don't know, like if you had Jon Snow and Sansa hook up, you'd be like, what? But if you had every episode some just random boobies, you know, grinding away sex scene, then you'd be like, oh, this is just this episode's sex scene. Yeah. Not that <clears throat> cousins should hook up. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying as an impactful type of thing in, in Game of Thrones, there is precedent. There is... <laughs> Wait, when you call them cousins, you have to say spoiler alert. I mean, half-brother. You mean they're not brother and sister? Oh, my God. (gasps) Well, everybody paused and watched the show already, so they're they're fine. No spoilers. Oh, okay. And presumably, if they're back listening, then they've watched it. So everybody listening at this point has watched Game of Thrones. Now you've all had your... John Snow's a Targaryen moment, and then there you go. Yeah, spoiler retroactively, I just covered my ass. <laughs> right, because this will be before the other part. <laughs> we'll yeah. edit it. We won't. So, are there any examples where a show hasn't used, or movie, hasn't used gratuitous sex and is could have, I guess, is the best way to put it. They they could have used some gratuitous <laughs> sex. They chose not to, and the show or movie was better because of it. Can you think of anything? When they chose not to? Oh, jeez, I don't know. Or, I mean, is it basically like... Well, Stranger Things, like you said. Yeah, Stranger Things could absolutely have the ability to showcase all kinds of weird-ass 80s <clears throat> sex. <laughs> Harry Bushes and I mean Stranger Things it drew on so many eighties you know genres that you love 
including the slot, the slasher genre. So yeah, they definitely could have thrown just a couple of random teenagers born in a, in a tent in the woods getting killed by the monster. I mean, that would have been easy to do. Yeah. Or like That's... I said, the thirteen reasons why they had brief instances where like the locker room, they showed like some butt and maybe some bad. And that was it. Oh really? I could go watch that right now. I know. Right. <laughs> And that, and that was it. And not even that. Not even that. So No side boob? No side that's boob. Not, that's not even worth watching unless nah. it's got a little side boob. And the only sex they had was, believe me, the opposite of gratuitous. Yikes. Was it awkward? It was. Weird? It was so it was painful, like real sex. Painful and disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sex like I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like fumbling over clothes in the backseat of a car. <laughs> Something like that, yes. Yeah, and I will not give spoilers for that one. So yes, it's okay. I'll I'm gonna watch it. I'll I'll probably watch it here this week. Now that <clears throat> Black Sales for me is over. But then you get a show like on these, you know, network premium, not network, these premium stations, Spartacus. Yep. It was hard to say that was gratuitous sex unless it was all gratuitous sex. It was just blood and boobs. That was the entire formula for the show. So would punches. you call it, not so much. Dicks, yes. Punches, stabs. I think that happened. But yeah, I mean, it was all like, like that was what you expected every single episode, at least twice an episode to have some sex scene. Because that's what the premise was entirely Let's about. get real for a minute. Who exactly is calling for male nude scenes in television? Like, who wants to see a floppy dick on screen? Who wants that? Nobody. I, f- I feel like it's a reaction to people screaming against gratuitous sex scenes. Like, one of the things I did for research was this, was look up, you know, what is, what is the most gratuitous sex scenes? And the thing that popped up, which I expected, was a scene in um, the second Star Trek movie, the second of the rebooted Star Trek movies, where... I can't remember the character's name, but the actress is Alice. Oh, uh, Star Trek Two: Sex and Space. Sex and Space, yeah, where she gets in her bra and panties. Oh my god! For no, for no apparent reason. Oh. But one of the criticisms of that was not only was there no real reason for her to do that. There's supposed to be a scene with Bandersnatch Cumberbund where he, uh, <laughs> where he was in like he was getting naked or something like that, has like like his flaring his ass or something, not showing his ass. Flaring his ass. Yeah. So, but, like, and, J- but that was, J.J. Abrams I mean, lens flare style? Yeah, yeah, he lens flared his ass. But that had the cutting room floor. Like, that that didn't make it into the movies. So, one of the criticisms I read about this was, why was she showing some skin when the dude wasn't? So, I feel like if you see a floppy dick in a TV show or a movie, you're seeing it as a reaction. Like, look, we're equal, equal opportunity gratuitous. We're going to show everything. Right. A little bit of brown eye if you want to look hard enough. You know, something like that. And everywhere you see a floppy dick, you got to see somebody punching it. Bap! Bam! Dick. That should be the title of this episode. Dick punch. Hollywood dick punching. <laughs> There's not dick enough. punching, you know, you know you love it. Ah, but that, you're right. Gratuitous sex never going away. Let's talk yeah. about, for just a second, the cable television and how that has suffered or not suffered because of the ability or inability to show graphic sex. Like, let's just, for example, talk about The Walking Dead. Is that something that yep. could benefit from a, a little bit of a gratuitous sex scene? They have done that a little bit. Like, I distinctly, it's, it's rare enough that I can remember the scenes. Like, there's a scene where Andrea is in bed with the governor in one of the earlier seasons. So oh, that's right. A little bit of a, yeah. She showed her butt. Or, like, Michonne and Rick are hooking up in the current seasons, and they kind of show a little skin. But it's very, it's very brief, because that's not what the show's about. Any floppy zombie dicks? No. Well, you never know. There's a whole, there's a whole like, uh, 
genre, a whole like discipline that you can delve into of like what extras do when they think nobody's watching that makes it into the final cut. That should be, <laughs> we should totally do an episode of that because that's great. That's the greatest thing in the world. Well, in my experience, you have to write these things down because you'll forget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but one, one good example is the Americans on FX. That's Cyboob and Ass Crack Central. <laughs> that's their bread and butter. Oh my God. Yes. Side boob central. Gary Russell is showing boob. as much as he can show without hitting that sensor button, you know? Yeah. And is it gratuitous? Yeah, maybe. But she's also a spy. She's got to use her, you know, vagine to get some information. That's the way it works. That's how the Cold right. War was ran. Are you KGB? Good, because now I know I can <laughs> use you for sex to get information. Uh, what are some of uh, Breaking Bad? I don't know. No sex have. whatsoever. Yeah. No. Think about it. Was there... Um, like she gave him a hand job the first episode and that was like the most sex you saw in the entire show. I don't even remember that. Yeah. It was like her his birthday hand job. <laughs> and then she wrote his age in bacon on his <laughs> yeah. pancakes. And she uh, didn't even dress like a pirate. Bitch. Oh, uh, let's see. What are some other shows that are cable television that could probably use with a little bit of side boob and hmm. I can't think of any cable shows. Is that bad? Or is it just none are memorable enough to talk I'm guessing, about? I mean, you can think of the more popular ones like Mad Men. I'm thinking they probably oh, had more Yeah, than, Mad Men. More than a little bit. I never. I watched the first season of that and never kept up with it. I don't know. But I'm guessing they had more than their fair share of almosts, you know? Yeah. I remember back in the day, and it made headlines, NYPD Blue. Oh, yeah, with the, and that had uh, David Carradine's ass. Yeah, no, there's a one. Well, yes. <laughs> but, and I'm sure posed because that's what David Carradine does. But, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I remember seeing a snippet of it. There was a girl who was like, just got done with the, having some, you know, doing the dirty, and they showed some side boob. And me being a teenager in the 90s going, what? <laughs> what the fuck did I just see? Uh, rewind. Pause. <laughs> this is correct. Ah, uh, let's see. Hmm. Oh, God, I can't even think of a cable television show. I know it's all HBO Showtime crap now. Seriously. God, is it? Is that the way it's going now? Yeah. I have almost, a list. I can't even tell you the last network drama I've watched because I've just got given up on that. Cable shows, there's a couple like The Americans, Walking Dead, that might be about it, Salem, that I still watch, but um, Orphan Black. I'm, I'm plowing through that right now. Yeah. That has a little bit everyone's no while, some bare ass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yes, that's a BBC show, but I guess you can count that, right? Yeah. And the BBC is a little bit more lenient on their censorship. It's true. All British television. Slightly like those oh, you know scenes can... in uh, yeah, Downton you know Abbey. What? Yeah, Downton Abbey could have some serious sex scenes and that would liven that oh, show. Oh my god. Not gonna lie, I did not watch the last three episodes. You know you still never finished it. Still never finished. I don't want it to be over. Never. Oh, eh. my good people at Downton Abbey. I love them so. Where all the maids and valets got together and just like, fuck. Yeah. yeah it's sweaty, a... flower-filled. Dick punching. Boy, dick punching. <laughs> oh. Oi, you punched me in my dick. <laughs> You've got the best British That's accent. I bet I just took you to old London town right there, baby. Yeah, you did. Like for a second, I had my eyes closed and I thought for sure I was in uh, I don't know, British. one of those English towns. Manchester. I was in Manchester for just Manchester. a second. <laughs> we should do a whole episode in British accents. 
I do know what you're talking about as Australian. My British always devours an Australian. Which is a good show. Australian show. Yeah, it did have boobies. Just a little bit of boobies, but nothing big. No gratuitous sex. The uh, the hardcore version of Orange and the New Black is Wentworth, and that's Australian. A little bit here and there, not too much. And that's about a women's prison. You would think they'd be right for the opportunity, but no, not really. Yeah, I still have to watch that. It's pretty good. So what have we learned? <clears throat> that we like boobies, but we feel guilty about it sometimes. I think that's the nut of the argument. Yeah, and a show should use it yes. if it furthers the story. There's a reason why network, I think, is dying. It's because, frankly, and I'll just say it, lack of sex. Lack of what you consider what would make something gritty and real is violence and sex, gratuitous and stylistic. Bring mm-hmm. it but network shows are are shackled. They're handcuffed. Censorship laws in this country are stupid and arbitrary and pointless at this point. It's a dinosaur. It's a relic. But it's still in place. So network, your ABC, NBC, NBC uh, CBS, Fox, they're shackled by censorship and they cannot get into the realms that even like AMC and FX and especially HBO, Showtime, stuff like that can hit, which I think we got into this in our previous episodes. But yeah, I <clears throat> I agree. I think um, I think there's a place in television show the the world of television shows, ABC and CBS, and I, like the network television, family friendly. If you don't, they run, have their place. Tell your kids to leave the room. You can watch that stuff. My wife is watching uh, Blue Bloods. Blue, the, she's watching Blue Bloods. Yes. Yeah. And she's also watching, um, can't remember the name of it. It's got Jennifer Lopez in it, and it's uh, it's bad. It's really bad. It, I mean, it is what it is, and she likes it because she likes J Lo, and um, she's. It's very intriguing for her, but mm. I don't think it would pass muster with because she doesn't watch any other cable programming. She doesn't. Yeah. watch any shows on amc or fox or Uh-oh. i mean fx or any of those so i mean she doesn't really know what she's missing kind of thing she doesn't <laughs> i think the last time she watched a, a premium channel show was sex in the city yeah, I was gonna say. which was essentially a soap opera but i was watching black sales uh i was actually watching like the third to the last episode second to the last episode yesterday and it's just it's a soap opera for men <laughs> i mean yes i was gonna say Let's be honest, all those shows that are engaging like that are all soap operas. Some are yeah. just more honest about it than others. Yeah. When they did the flashback to Flint and Long John Silver on the hilltop sword fighting, and it was less about the sword fighting and more about their dialogue. It was more about yeah. their conversation, about their past. I'm like, the philosophy. Well, yeah. well, this absolutely belongs on like daytime yeah. television. <laughs> it is and a soap opera. This is all my children. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I didn't feel bad about watching it. So I don't knock no. those types of programs. Uh, there's absolutely a place for them. I think uh, people that watch soap operas are head and shoulders about people that watch reality reality TV. I'm sorry. This is my elitist. Oh, here you go program. again, Mr. Elitist. Uh, if, you're into a, if you're into a soap opera, I got respect for you because that is a narrative that you're keeping up with for years. <laughs> if you're just... Sucked into reality TV show. Jeez, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. You, Unfortunately, I'm sorry. that that's. I think that that is the trap of network television. I think reality TV show the production values are so low, and Ooh. the amount it takes to produce one. I mean, you basically can bring idiots off the street and film them for you know 24 one hour episodes doing the stupidest shit and not pay them a dime, and they become an instant celebrity overnight. So they can. 
you know, if they're savvy, like those morons from Jersey Shore or whatever that went on tour and sold autographs and yeah. paid paid speaking engagements and stuff like that, like that that's that type of star. But the network doesn't have to pay jack squat to, you know, somebody for what do they what do they have to pay a million dollars if you won if you win Survivor or something like that? Right, exactly. I mean, your expense there is the crew and the location. You just you're probably, hoping that you can be that one guy out of a dozen that makes it get extends their fifty minutes of fame to you know thirty minutes of fame type of deal. Right, right. But like, I mean, at, that's, that's why it's so attractive for networks to do these idiotic reality shows like The Bachelor right. and, um, I mean, stupid, stupid shows. Hmm. Uh, Big Brother. I mean, what's the what? What is the network's expense for Big Brother? I bet their biggest expense is insurance. <laughs> exactly. You know. You know what I mean? Putting some food yeah. in the house. Yeah. So. I mean, that's why, and and that might be what network television is good for. And then you have these filler shows with writers that have been fired from actually good shows. They go to create shows, you know, CSI part 50, well, yeah, whatever, what, what city or NCIS or, <laughs> you know, shows that are written almost specifically for syndication, you know. I want to see CSI Portland, Maine. Where they sit around going, somebody needs to commit a crime for the love of God. Yeah, somebody needs to do something. We're we're sick of harassing the Somalians and Sudanese population. <laughs> we need to actually go do some. You know, we've arrested our fifth drinking in public person. Exactly. Oh, oh another bar fight. They all poured. Oh yeah. crap! <laughs> Here's another cruise ship. Oh, nobody committed any crimes off the cruise ship. Bye. All right, let's go eat some lobster. <laughs> yes. <'cause that's- laughs> <laughs> what who song would they use for yeah, right. that probably gordon lightfoot or something <laughs> uh so i i feel like we've we've nailed it yeah. we stuck it we stuck this one we punched it All right, right. In the dick. dick punching 101 you're welcome <laughs> uh moving on do you have a trivia question? I have a trivia question. Do you have a trivia question? I do, and I think you went first last week, so might be my turn, right? Yeah, let's let's take an opportunity um, to talk about what's going on in our lives. Oh, afterwards? No, right now. Can... Let's do it. I'm still playing Egg Inc. Yeah, tell you me and everybody big, else. Apparently, tell me the big news with uh, Clash Royale. <laughs> Besides the fact that I deleted it because I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> it's over. It, that was a love affair for over a over year. Over a year, yeah. Uh, I just I sat down one day and I was playing it, and I realized when I lost for the fourth time in a row, I was like, I'm not have fun with this game anymore. This is my that was my willpower moment, you know. Like I've been working on this in my life for the last year, maybe two years. It's letting invested. go of things that I have previously become invested in, TV yeah. shows and whatnot. Like I haven't watched the latest episodes of The Simpsons. And I've watched every season for 20 whatever goddamn years it's been going on. I stopped because I'm like, you know what? I don't like this anymore. Family Guy, same thing. Um, yeah, but I know you'll watch those episodes of The Simpsons. No! You yeah. will watch them. You will. They'll just not be that week. Well, I guess maybe that's that's your uh, that's your triumph because you didn't watch it immediately, right? It, yeah, it's you know, baby steps. But this baby is Clash, Clash Royale. I, I'm not having fun with this anymore. And I was feeling obliged to pay a buck here, five bucks there. But you know what? I'm just going to stop. And I'm going to yeah. do a cold turkey. I'm going to delete it. So I don't that, have any games that I'm playing religiously on my uh, mobile devices anymore. Um, that was the last one. 
See, now you got to pick something else up. But you I just have... reminded me of a question I asked you earlier this week at work. And I don't think I got a satisfactory answer hmm. simply because I think Pass Down started. But uh, <laughs> can you think of any shows that you started and didn't stop? I mean, uh, no, you started but then stopped before it ended. Because I was thinking about it and I've <clears throat> Actually, a bunch of shows that I started. Oh, yeah, you did ask me this. Like a you show that has ended, but I didn't finish it. When it yeah, you, you. I don't think that you came up with any shows. I don't think you said. I, I, I'm still thinking right now, and I. I mean, there's shows that I stopped watching, but aren't done with, like Big Bang Theory, Simpsons. You know, so a lot of the sitcoms I used to watch, I just kind of stopped, but they're also still going on. Um, I think that counts. That counts. I mean, I know you'll go and watch The Simpsons, but I doubt you'll go and. You have such little and, faith in me. I know you'll uh, go watch The Big Bang Theory and back. No, I'm also in that. Um, the Walking Dead is my big one. Yeah. That's that's one that everybody sees. I started to. watching, like I said before, I started watching Mad Men. I watched the first season and didn't keep going with it. Yeah, that counts. See? So, Mad yeah, Man. that counts. There's, there's that one. Um, what about you? Most recently, well, like I guess I said, you said there's a lot. What's that? I, said, I guess most recent because you said there were a bunch, right? Yeah, there were, but now that I've just posed that question to you, they've all dumped right out of my <laughs> head right now. Um, I'd say The Walking Dead is the biggest one yeah. for me. Yeah. And um, Orange is the New Black. Uh, what's, but that's not done with either. I won't go watch it. I won't, that's one mm-hmm. that I, I... Unless something happens... And don't get me wrong, like I, I feel that urge sometimes to... Uh, to try and keep up and to try and watch a show and just can't, um, you know, sometimes things get in the way. I, I can't watch them because of, you know, just life in general. And the it other, that goes on too. Yeah. But, um, house of cards, that was one that I, I thoroughly oh, enjoyed know. the first two seasons and then just stopped watching it and haven't. The third season was junk. The fourth season started redeeming itself again. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Um, let's see what else is there. I, I think, and some of them I've stopped watching for, like, the three that I just mentioned, I have different reasons for stopping every single one of them. Yeah. And, and having the willpower to not dive back in. The Walking Dead, that is because I have a, an issue with the details. I've talked about it ad nauseum with you. It broke your heart. It, it's just, it's it's bad. It's just a bad show. And I don't knock anybody for sticking with it because it's a, the original story is one of my favorite things. I love the idea of zombies and that, you know, that's the old B movie in me that the B movie lover in me loves mm. to. And then the whole survivalist aspect of it is very attractive to me. I like that whole part of it, but it's just a, to me, it's just a bad show. And I've, I've read a bunch of criticism for people that have stopped it because of how dumb it's gotten. And it's like, Oh, you're, you want to watch a movie or a TV show about zombies, but then you expect realism. And it's not that I expect realism so much as I expect details to be cohesive. And yes, they're they're just not. And I can point to a million things in that show that turned me off completely because it's, it was just all about the details. There's there's such a thing as what I think of as a narrative realism. Like you have a fantastical setting, a sci-fi setting, and you set up your rules. You need to work with those rules. You can't just toss them out the window or ignore them for you know the shocker, the the extravaganza. Like right. I feel like Walking Dead is like what I imagine heroin would be like. I'm not a heroin user, so I can't say for sure. Maybe I'm belittling the entire experience. But you start off and it's like great. You know this. Oh, I love this. This is great. This is the greatest experience. I love the show. Can't wait to do it again. Watch it again. 
for me because I'm still watching it. So as over the years goes by, you're never going to hit that point where it's as nearly as good as what it was at the beginning. You're just trying to get you back to the point where you feel like it's worthwhile and you've not wasted time. Like I'm into it. And every once in a while it hits a point where I'm like, oh, I remember what it could be. But for the most part, no, it's not hitting that note again. It's not hitting that high again. Right. And, you know, one one thing that you've said to me that makes a lot of sense is that you're still entertained by it. And if, if yeah. a show is still entertaining you, you should give it the benefit of the doubt. It It had stopped entertaining me. And then I started seeing it for what it really was with the detail, the lack of details and stuff like that. I'll give you, this is my glaring example of what I hated about the walking dead. And I'll try and set it up real quickly, but it's the, it's when the governor ambushed the national guard guys. (laughs) Yeah. And you're talking about these guys that are national guard. So they're military trained. They have a tank and they have armored Humvees. They have guns, uh, you know, M60s, they have AR-15s, or technically the M60, or M4s. Um, they're, they're loaded with weaponry. Mm-hmm. They have survived the zombie apocalypse. Now, how did they survive the zombie apocalypse? Probably not by being lackadaisical about their security. They've survived by being vigilant, by being able to overpower anything that's come at them, to be on their guard, to just not be surprised, okay? So that's what, you've got these National Guard guys armed in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. A suspicious group of people pull up with their hands behind mm-hmm. their back and stuff like that, and they're they're totally and completely ambushed and taken by surprise by these people that, okay, let's just say there's a little bit of a level playing field because these people have also survived a zombie apocalypse, but they're also super aggressive, and they do not show themselves to be like trustworthy. Tactical. And oh, so, yeah, 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 I got you. And so they obliterate and ambush these National Guard guys, which is stupid. That Yeah, the National me, Guard are basically, hey, strangers, let's be friends. I mean, that's essentially what their reaction right. is. And that was a tipping point for me. So one of the things, and I'll concede this, one of the things that was the deciding factor in their victory against the National Guard guys is they had this guy in the tree line who was a sharpshooter and he was picking off these guys left and right at a very great distance, which is not an easy thing to do in a life or death firefight. Okay. So you've got a guy who is just a really good uh, sharpshooter. You've established at that moment that this guy is the guy you want to take out somebody, you know, that you want killed fast forward to the prison and Mm -hmm. there's Rick Grimes out in the open. This guy who was the sharpshooter that took out all those National Guard guys in a firefight could not take out Rick Grimes. For the life of him, he could not shoot Rick Grimes. He could shoot (laughs) the ground around him. He could shoot all over the place, but he could not hit Rick Grimes. It was, to me, that just said everything that needed to be said about that show. They have a story they want to tell. They have something that needs to get from point A to point B. And the details in between don't matter at all. And I don't like it. I don't like that at all. The devil's in the details. I I hear you. And the the ridiculousness did not stop. I'll just say this. In the most recent seasons, Carl is still alive. Enough said. Yeah. 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 Yep. And he probably will be till the very end. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope it goes on for 12 more seasons. I... (laughs) 
I hope well, that, like where are all the zombies? They rotted years ago. Yeah, there are no more zombies. Yeah, um, but that's all it takes for me to get disenfranchised with a, mm. a TV show. And it's I don't healthy. think, yeah, you I don't think when they don't work for you anymore. I had not that ability. <laughs> yeah, I I know there's a a lot more shows that I have just totally completely given up on and not decided to watch because I'm a completionist. Let's get that straight between us and everybody listening. I am an absolute completionist. And I, by the way, before I move any further, I want to tell you that I've remembered the I, the show idea from earlier. <laughs> I, I don't, it has popped into my head. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll after the episode's over, I'll tell you all about it. Okay. Anyway, I'm a completionist. I'm the kind of guy that wants to watch and consume everything that uh, entertains entertains me. Mm-hmm. For example, I don't just want to watch the new Thor movie. I want to make sure all the Marvel. I want to watch all the Marvel shows. I want to watch everything that is connected to that universe. Star Wars. I want to watch everything that has to do with Star Wars that's canon. And let me get that straight. I'm a completionist <laughs> when it comes to canon. A purist I'm, completionist. I'm, I'm a purist. I don't want the expanded universe. Like I've read some incredible fan fiction, some really good fan fiction, especially from Firefly. And because it's not canon, to me, it doesn't exist. It and doesn't that's a sh- feel as important, right? Right. It for one, it's not an original idea from the creator. Right. And and I'm okay with creators passing the torch as long as it's sanctioned by the creator. So, like George Lucas selling, you mm. know, Star Wars to he well, sold it. He gave up that ability, and he passed the torch on. And all these directors that are writing for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they're all pulling from the same source, I guess. They're not... Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, even with a completely original creation, so you have, like, Joss Whedon doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer, probably wrote the first season, maybe part of the second season, and then other writers came in and ran with it for the vast bulk of its run. Right. However... But you can say that a Joss Whedon joint. joint. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... For me to give up on a show is to me a pretty big deal, yeah. Because I'm a, because I'm a completionist, and uh, I'm very cautious when I when I step into things. Like uh, I I've been hurt watched, before. I have. I've been <laughs> I've been burned. But, oh God! Don't Heroes. see that's that's another one. Heroes, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, franchises, I guess is the best way I can put it, that I have totally completely given up on, that I was mm. like salivating for new material back when it first started. Right. But, um, like Supernatural, I know you like Supernatural, and that's, yeah. that's one of those things that I watched the first couple episodes, and it did not hook me, and I did mm. not want to give it like a third chance. <laughs> so, well, honestly, that's one of those shows that I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why I kept up with it, because the first season had very little narrative. It was mostly procedural. Mm-hmm. But when the narrative picked up, it, it grabbed me, and that's why I kept up with it. So that's an anomaly in my personal experience. I don't know why I kept with it. I'm glad I did to a point, and then it just right. started going ridiculous, running itself into the ground. But I kept watching it. That's another one I stopped watching. I haven't watched it all this season. Just saying. But you will. But I will. I know I will. <laughs> I already yeah. plan on it. <laughs> so that's that's all I have to say about that. That's all there is to say about that. 
That is all. Battlestar Galactica made me want to punch the TV screen by the time I was done. I wanted to punch Battlestar Galactica right in the dick. Right in the dick. Dick punching spaceship cyborgs. Damn it. Because the first seasons were phenomenal. It ended with ghosts and angels. That should tell you all you need to know about fucking Battlestar Galactica. Spoiler alert. Whoever's listening, do not pause the podcast and go watch Battlestar. (laughs) No. Watch the first two seasons and call good. Yeah. Um... Only, if you're going to watch Heroes, the original Heroes, only watch the first season. I disagree, and I've, we've talked about this, I disagree with you on that one. I'd say the first two seasons, because the second season was abbreviated because of the writer's strike. And right. the first half of the third season were good. It was the second half of the third season and the fourth season, which were crap. Then that remake they did last year was utter bullshit. That was horrible. Save the cheerleader, save the world. Yeah, first season, good stuff. Good, good. So, um... That could have been an episode all by itself. Let's move on to trivia. (laughs) Trivia. All right, so this is a piece of trivia that I've known for a while, but it fascinates me. I don't know why. I think this is the coolest thing that just makes people think, and you will not agree with me, but here it is. (laughs) What is the biggest desert in the world? Well, now you're going to have to... Now I'm going to have to start naming deserts, okay? So you've got the Gobi Desert. That's, That's a desert. The Sahara Desert. That is a desert. The Desert of Maine. (laughs) <laughs> that's a desert it is hear the question mark of that it is in freeport maine the desert is a desert there is you've never been i have not no you live so close to it i is it in the middle of being somewhere i don't <laughs> no, it's down at the end of a dirt road and there's a desert with dunes oh jeez, never <laughs> been there well you should become a more worldly guy and go I to the desert of spend more time in freeport wandering around aimlessly <laughs> Uh, let's see. So I have extended my knowledge. I'm going to say, <laughs> okay, this is something I'm going to just go out on a limb and I am going to say that the largest desert in the world is in the Arctic. That is the second largest. Ah, oh, but that should tell that, you what the largest is. That should tell me. Well, maybe the way I don't know. What, I don't know what the desert in the Arctic is called. I, I would then have to fall back to one of the other two that I named and say the Gobi. No, but you hit close. It's the Antarctica. It, actually, oh. Antarctica is... Antarctica is the biggest desert? Is the biggest, like the entire continent, practically, is a desert. And nobody thinks, you know, it's cold when they think desert. Right, right. But the definition of desert is lack of precipitation. And Antarctica is, gets the, less, the, the least precipitation of any spot in the world. Yeah. Less than 200 millimeters a year, apparently. So, wow. yes. No liquid water, lack of precipitation. Antarctica is the biggest desert in the entire world. Well, yeah. if you think about it, the Gobi Desert is cold too. It's got snow. Yeah. I I think that I'm a victim of being taught the world map wrong. You know that they've come out with like new, like some kid in Japan. Like the flat map or distorted and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I feel like I grew up thinking Antarctica was tiny. Like... It's, not, it's the fifth biggest continent. Like, it's bigger than Australia. Isn't Australia, like, the same size as the U.S., though? Well, the U.S. is... Well, I mean, the U.S. is... I mean, fuck Canada. Right? <laughs> and Mexico. Fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The, the North America is the United States. Everybody else can go <laughs> The best parts themselves. of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, uh, Canada's partially populated because it's part of the Arctic itself, and Mexico And they is... have grizzly bears that eat people, so... Yeah, you wouldn't want to go there. Mexico is like all sand, right? Sand and tacos. Actually, we were. Um, That's really racist, I know, but there it is. 
they uh they're they are uh, playing a football game i know i don't know how much you care about this but um the patriots and the raiders are playing a football game in mexico city this e- this upcoming season and there is a lot of <clears throat> i guess attention paid to like uh mile high stadium denver the the mm-hmm. broncos play in colorado and their elevation m- manipulates it's 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 a it's a it's an advantage because one altitude sickness which i suffer from terribly that's another little fun fact about me is i suffered terribly from altitude sickness um so altitude sickness just having to deal with thinner air and for athletes to have to train for that and the ball acts differently in in the thinner (laughs) air so it floats so Denver has these issues that football teams have to accommodate for just because of their elevation. Like they should be allowed to do blood doping when they play in Denver. <laughs> of course. But I want to say, and I might be wrong on this, but I think that Mexico City, where they're playing next year, has is a higher elevation than Denver. Yeah, I think you are. I'm pretty sure you're right. It is. Well, maybe not. I don't know if it's Denver, but it is a higher elevated. It's, it's up yeah. I, I want to say that it's a higher elevation than Denver. So, I mean, they're playing. You, you've got 53, 52. I don't know what the roster size is now. That's terrible. I'm a football fan. I should know that. But just over 50 people, just players. Then you have probably another 50 so on staff mm-hmm. of people that have to travel of those hundred people you're going to have a percentage you're going to have a few that suffer from altitude sickness right cheerleaders. so the cheerleaders don't travel mm-hmm. what yeah cheerleaders. cheerleaders the mexican cheerleaders yeah, yeah it should see that. Yeah. yeah and they wouldn't uh, suffer from any sickness we assume it might be gratuitous but there you go stylized and gratuitous it's- Stylized, gratuitous cheerleading. Anyway, big deserts, huh? So yes, Antarctica is the biggest desert. I like I said, Antarctica. I always find that funny because nobody guesses. Yeah, I penguin filled. I felt like it was the Arctic, but then again, I feel like my uh, public education failed me when it comes to looking at maps because I felt like Antarctica was smaller than it really is. But well, if you look at those flat maps, it looks like Antarctica is huge because it covers the entire bottom of the freaking map. But not my maps when I was growing up. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just making that shit up. Um, <laughs> okay. Are you ready for my trivia question? I am ready. What is the first commercial product to be sold with a barcode? <laughs> I'm going to say something like instant pancakes or something like that. Instant oatmeal. <laughs> yes. Nope, it's it's not. But um, I would be fascinated to hear how you came about that <laughs> as being your choice. I don't know. I have no idea. Aunt Jemima so I'm just going to stick with the breakfast theme. It was Eggos. Eggo waffles. It is something you put in your mouth. <gasps> oh, my God. Stop being dirty. I'm just going to stop. Uh, I'll give you the year, 1974. That's not going to okay. help you at all. Um, it's a product that's still available today. It's a product that was around before the barcode. Something... Roller skates. <laughs> don't tell me you don't put roller skates in your mouth. I know you do. Yeah. I mean, I mean who doesn't? I lube that shit up. Uh, the answer is Wrigley's Juicy Fruit Gum. Oh, juicy! I have juicy fruit gum right in front of me right now. Oh, uh, I should have said the clue. It's right in front of you right now. You should have. I know you're stalking me. You should have seen it. I should have seen I, that. Yeah. I'm looking at the barcode. Freaky. Yeah, first barcode ever oh my available God. to com- a commercial product. 
Yeah, so that did not spark any conversation like the desert. So just going to move on. Besides the fact that you're stalking me and you don't have juicy fruit. But I accept that. I live with it. You should. Okay. I love juicy fruit. <laughs> not only I, was it going to move me, it has moved me. Feel like. The juice there's... was soft and it got right to me. I'm impressed. <laughs> I uh, too many commercials when I was a kid. Yeah, there are, there are a handful of products that really take me back to my youth that's one of them big league chew big league chew i'm i'm thinking for commercials like advertisements oh. juicy fruit juicy fruit commercials i remember distinctly um charms. hires root beer cannot claim that one no I... mellow yellow sort of the mountain dew yeah knockoff although if you talk to like mellow yellow fans they'd probably say that mountain dew knocked them off so I want to see the Mountain Dew knocking up Mellow Yellow fan fiction because you know that exists somewhere. And then they have a legitimate love child that's Juicy Fruit. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. That's hot. With a barcode. Yeah, because it's going to be corporate And it gets punched right in the barcode. Right in the barcode. Right in the number. All right. Well, let's put this one to bed. All right. Um, what's coming up? Are we doing anything later? What well, what, are, what are some topics got, we're going to cover later? You got your topic. I don't know yet. I'm, Yo, I'm you want me to talk about? It. Let's talk about it. Well, let's. You can mention it, then we'll like let people's imaginations run wild. Well, before every episode, Steve and I talk for ten, fifteen, twenty minutes, sometimes a half hour, but we run over some ideas, and um, I mentioned to him that I thought of an idea of a for a show. Or an episode, and then it immediately left my brain, and now I, I couldn't think of it, couldn't think of it, and he said, well, you just wait, it'll pop into your head, and sure enough, in the middle of this episode, it popped into my head, so let's make it one of our future episodes, uh, as long as you agree on it, and I know you will, mm. is uh, Collections. Ooh, I got something to say about Collections. Yeah, you do. Oh you my whore. god. <laughs> I'm a whore for hoarding, actually. You hoarding whore. That's right. Ah, uh, yes. And it came back to me when we were talking about me being a completionist, because when it comes to collecting, I, uh, I'm i a completionist. That I'm an unsuccessful completionist <laughs> when it a comes to... I'm I'm absolutely a wannabe. I am certainly not the kind of person that has the kind of money to complete any collection. Yes. I, I have... Um, I'm right there in that boat with you. Holy crap. Well, we'll talk about it later, but I okay. have a yes. very small amount of complete collections. Let me just tease this one out. Uh, one of my complete collections, I have seven complete collections of the same thing. <laughs> and it is a trading card collection that's not baseball. Ooh. I'll just leave that one right there for you. I'm teased. You should be. Gratuitously. I'm gratuitously, stylistically teased. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap this up. And right. uh, so I'm not going to say dip me in your Monday milk. I'm, I refuse. No. Why would we ever say dip me in your Monday milk? That's just asinine strange. Except I've already just said it. So Dip, dip me in your Monday milk. I am Fox Dick Punch. I'm still Bob's going. Big punch yeah. aside. <laughs> and that's it for Masters of Profundication. And until next week, I'll catch you later. Give me in your money, Bob. God damn it, give me in your money, Bob. Mm-hmm. All right, see you later. Bye-bye.